Hi, you've reached another Real Food Traveler podcast. This is Courtney Drake McDonough, the publisher and managing editor of realfoodtraveler.com. We are here for a really interesting podcast, um, particularly interesting to me because I love distilled spirits. I have the good fortune of talking to Bev Heising, who's one of the owners of Woodby Island Distillery on the Woodby Camino Islands. And Bev, you'll correct me if I said that incorrectly. But I, I wanted to find out more about the distillery and how her family got started with it. And then we're going to talk about some events coming up this year into 2020 that will be a great chance for our listeners and readers to go check it out in person. So welcome, Bev. Thank you for visiting with us today. Thanks, Courtney. So did I say correctly that the distillery is on Woodby Camino? Actually, Whitby Island is a separate island, and Kameno is a separate island, okay. and they are next to each other. They both just so happen to be located in Island County. Okay. Um, and so we can swim across or take a ferry across or drive to get to each other's islands. Wow. <laughs> you can't really swim across. Okay. That's not true. <laughs> okay. If you, if you were one of those long-distance or longer-distance swimmers, I suppose you could. Well, I actually was. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have All not right. done that yet. So. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, tell me what your title is and confirm the name of the distillery and your website so that people can reach you. Okay, well, um, our, our distillery is called Whit, uh, Whitby Island Distillery, and our website is just simply Whitby, uh, it's actually whitbydistillery.com, mm-hmm. and uh, yes, and we can be reached at hello at whitbydistillery.com. Okay, great. So tell me a little bit about the history of the business and and the property you're on, because it looked pretty interesting on your website. Yes. um, In fact, the building that you see probably on the website is called The Bunker, and we called it that because it's kind of an underground basement, which when we initially bought the property in 2009, we were going to take that building down and kind of became a joke to save the bunker. And so this is where we process and have our tasting room currently. We decided to start this business in 2009. My husband, Steve, was in the process of uh, retiring from the aerospace business. And he said, I really want to do something to supplement um, our retirement income. And we were sitting around with our sons and their family and drinking whiskey, which (laughs) we don't at the time didn't probably do that very often. Um, And this crazy idea came up about, well, they were talking about how much fun it would be to distill. My husband grew up in Saudi Arabia, and as a child, um, when the country went dry, that was in the late, uh, I guess, 40s or early 50s, his dad and the other families within Aramco used to distill their own products. So it was something that he did as a child but never thought about doing as a business. And I kind of casually mentioned that Washington State had just implemented a craft distilling license for $100. And um, it, that would be kind of fun to, to, play, to play around with distilling. So there was no pre-thought to it before or a plan. Um, and we just decided that day that we were going to look into this and maybe go forward with trying to distill spirits. That's a big post-retirement plan. That's, that is not <laughs> relaxing or retiring at all. We had no idea what we were getting uh, into. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So yeah. our, 
our process with that um, was, uh, you know, it seems like a pretty simple thing to do, but we uh, had to apply for a federal and state license, which was um, quite the process. And it took us six months to actually start and get this license uh, ready to submit. And one of the things you find out is you can't just get the license. You actually have to have a location. You have to have your equipment in place um, before you even do the interview with the the federal government. So it was kind of a risky and scary thing to do to make this investment and not really know what the outcome was going to be. But we got through the process. Wow. (laughs) um, We uh, purchased a looked, you know, on the south end of Whidbey Island. It just seemed like it would be the best location because there was wineries and some, uh, well, no other distilleries, but some wineries in the area. And we ended up purchasing a piece of, uh, a nine-acre piece of property. And probably the biggest decision in that was when you're distilling uh, spirits, you need to have a clean, pure source of water. And that's not always easy to find on Whidbey Island. Uh, that was the attraction to this particular property is the water and just maybe the the ease of being able to uh, when you're brewing to make whiskey you've got mash so it just it just offered the infrastructure that we needed to do what we wanted to do well so given how the licensing process works this really had to be a leap of faith for you to buy the property and everything first right and i think the one of the reasons that we decided to go that direction with buying the property is that I I was not willing to go out and lease a piece of property or a building. Uh, This made sense for us to buy something that as we were making improvements to the property, worst case scenario, we would have a property that we'd be able to turn around and sell and hopefully make some money off the property. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't really much of a business plan when we did this. Our business grew very organically <laughs> day to day. Yeah. So were were there any points along the way initially where you thought uh, I don't I don't know if this was such a good idea? No, actually I I have to say the the process went um it, it went fairly smoothly. Uh, I think the the hardest part was not only do you have you have federal, you have state, but now the county is in there. <laughs> right. Being that there's never been a distillery on Whidbey Island before, um, and this was all new to the state. We were one of the first licensed distilleries in Washington in Washington State, and so the county didn't really know what to do with us. So mm-hmm. that was a little bit of a, a challenge to get through the county paperwork, and everything is always dependent. Um, you can't get your federal license until you get your state license, and can't get your state license until you get county approval. So that was, a, you know, I think it was just a lot of paperwork, a lot of tedious uh, hoops to jump through, mm-hmm. but we did it. Well, sounds like it was meant to be then to yes, me. Yes, Yeah. So what spirits do you make, and, and is make the right word? Yeah, I think, well, it's kind of interesting because we we do, we distill our product. There are, there are distilleries around that do not distill their product that they buy spirits that are already produced, put them in a bottle, call it spirits of their own production. We actually start with our whiskey, we mill our grain, we cook our grain, we ferment it, and we distill it. So we asked me about our products. We make a grain-to-bottle rye whiskey, which is 51% rye, 49% malted barley, and but... Our flagship product that we started with was a Loganberry liqueur, which we still produce a Loganberry, a raspberry, a blackberry, and boysenberry. 
And the reason we started out with a Loganberry liqueur was there was a similar product produced in the 80s and 90s by Chateau Saint-Michel, and it was a Whidbey Island product. And they stopped making it, and once when we opened up the distillery, the public's like, you've got to make Loganberry liqueur. Uh, and not really knowing what we were doing, I kind of just came up with a recipe, and, and it worked. Our first batch out was really great, and the first... Uh, time we submitted it the first batch we got 94 points with the beverage testing institute which is tastings.com and it was a really high score for first time out of the box Mm -hmm. so we were really excited about that that's wonderful so what has the reaction been to residents having you around now we're so lucky i mean first of all with the islands a you know is a tourist destination and most people have quite a bit of acreage around them already so our neighbors have five acres you know everybody has five to ten acres or just a little bit below five i think because we keep our experience uh, we've purposely kept it as a real rural experience our neighbors have been wonderful you know not only helping us get through the process but um really supporting what we do but we're also very respectful of our neighbors <laughs> mm-hmm. that's that's very nice and i'm, I'm sure tourists are pleasantly surprised to come upon you when they're there. Yes, yeah, Yeah. we really depend on our local business and visitors, but our locals, we were on TripAdvisor, I think right now, well, I know we're the number one thing to do in Langley, and and I think even on the island, we're the number one thing to do, and that's, you know, having the support of our local people that bring visitors uh, and repeat visits, and then just the word of mouth and Obviously, TripAdvisor and Yelp and people, Google, making comments on their experience at our distillery. That's great. It's great when people spread the word positively. Yes, it is. And, of course, Um, our partnerships with restaurants and and bars, people have the opportunity to taste it. And they're like, where do we buy this? And so they they send them our way, and we really appreciate that, too, those local partnerships. Well, that's great. I didn't think of that, that your products would be used in the restaurants. That's very nice. It's a nice community. Yeah, in fact, yeah. yesterday we just had a restaurant that released a blackberry liqueur mussel, and mm. the idea of the dish was sourcing everything locally. And uh, within one day, we had a visitor that came in because they tasted the, the mussel dish and couldn't wait to come and try the product. And, that's so uh, nice. Be able to get, yeah, it was really nice. That's, that's great. I love that when people really pursue things and take an interest and don't just say, oh, that was good, and leave it at that. That's, that's great. You mentioned your sons and their families. Who all from the family is in the, the business now? Well, when we first started the business, it was completely family run. Most of the time, my husband and I mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning, and then our, our son, Jim, our oldest son, was really instrumental in all of our branding and still is, is does our branding and our software development. I was going to talk a little bit uh, later maybe about our stills. We actually build our own stills and manufacture our own stills, and Mm. it's a a unique distillation process. And so he's done the software development and builds our controllers. And our other son, you know, just consults on things. My parents were certainly instrumental in the first years, and they still come and visit and help us in the tasting room with capsuling and bottling Mm. and but now we do have full t- five full-time employees that came to us really with no experience. My husband's really spent the time and 
teaching them electronics and building and skills that they've been able to pick up. And, you know, we also feel that that's really important to spread the knowledge. <laughs> hmm Yeah, definitely. Is this the first time you've ever worked with your husband? Yes. <laughs> and, and how's that? I, I'm asking because I work with my husband part yes. of the time. How, how is that? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's always a challenge for both of us. Yeah. We have really different brains. And, but it's worked now for going on 10 years. And we have so much to do. I mean, you know, compared to a winery, we're, we're open. First of all, we're open 363 days of the year. Well, we only close on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that's mostly because we're in production every day. And we have, well, one of the things is we had, we lived in a house up in Coopville, which is a small town. And once we opened up the distillery, we were kind of in the situation where we needed to be there all the time. So we moved into this little place called the bunkhouse and have actually lived there for the first eight years of running our business. And recently, a year ago, bought a house eight miles away. And that's really changed the dynamics of everything. It's really helped mm. um, because not only were we working together, but we were running the business 24 hours of the day. Yeah. And we actually do run our business 24 hours a day because one of the unique things about our still is, is that uh, they run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Mm. Yeah. And we can control them remotely from home, from wherever we're at on vacation. Mm. And that's enabled us to, to, you know, keep our production going. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, if it's any consolation, someone once told me that if a husband and wife agreed on everything, one of them wouldn't be necessary. So I, <laughs> I always kept that in mind. So it's good to have two different ways of thinking about things. And you started to talk about the, the stills a little bit. Tell me what, what's unique about the spirits and about the distillery itself. Well, my husband designed it. The, the still is actually called the Heising 330 or Bunker, Bunker Stills. Sometimes the still is referred to and... This all came about from, you know, we were using what's a traditional batch mode still, and you have to sit there and operate that all the time. You have to take what's called the cuts. You know, you have heads, hearts, and tails. So you have three components of distillation product that it's producing. And this was, this was not sustainable for us. And so we had this idea. The textbooks basically say you can't distill in this in this way. But there are, we make them on site. They run 24 hours a day. They're electric, uh, they're electric com- and computer controlled through the web, through the internet. And what makes our product unique is that they're non-boiling stills. So when normally when you're making whiskey and you have a batch mode still, you have to boil the product in order for the, the vapors to start coming off. This always stays right below the boiling point. So our spirits have a really clean taste to them because of the lack of boiling. We have what's called simultaneous straws. So all of our heads, hearts, and tails are automated and uh, based upon temperatures. Then the alcohol comes out in different containers. So we don't have to micromanage it. It's mm-hmm. really, really been an advantage for us. Just to clarify at this point, one of the things that we started with was distilling wine from our local wineries just to be able to practice distillation. Mm-hmm. But they also had a need for for having neutral spirits for fortifying. That's how you make ports and dessert wines. So we continue to distill wine for our local wineries for port production, but also that's the base to our berries, berry liqueur. Okay. So it's like a it's like a grape base or wine based. There's no wine in it, but the alcohol comes from from wine. 
Gotcha. Well, I'm I'm so impressed that given the fact that this was just sort of an idea on a lark around a table not that many years ago, I'm so impressed by how much you know and how much you've figured out. I couldn't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. Well, I'm impressed. I think that was one of the reasons why when we had this little family meeting, you know, when we were just visiting and had this crazy idea to come up about a distillery, we sort of realized between our two sons and Steve and I, that we had every element and never realized this before, <laughs> you know, all the years before that we really had all the elements of putting together a successful business. Hmm. Um, but I can say the biggest thing was the willingness to put in a lot of hard work. I mean, we still work seven days a week mm -hmm. <laughs> at some portion of the day, and hopefully that's improving and getting better. But it really takes a lot of hard work and dedication. Mostly that's what it is, <laughs> the yeah. willingness to work hard. Yeah. Well, if, if someone comes to your distillery, tell me, tell our listeners, what is the experience like? What can they expect when they come there? Well, when they drive up the road, I think instantly they're kind of confused about where they should go because we have this sunken building, <laughs> and it's not really clear. And They're like, why would I want to go in there? <laughs> but once people come into the distillery, where they're greeted by our enthusiastic staff, and every person that comes into the distillery goes immediately back to where we have our stills, and we talk about our process and show you know what makes us unique. So there's a still tour, and then we follow that by a complimentary tasting. We're one of the few people that do not charge for tastings. And from day one, I've done that. And it's it's paid off because I think it makes it a more relaxing experience for people. And I would say 95% of the people that leave the tasting room buy something. So it's partly educational. We have a tourist sign in by the state. And one of the things that you have to offer is an experience. If you, if you want one of those signs, you have to show that you offer an experience we're also kid-friendly, and families have, even for a teenager, it's really interesting to come in and learn about distillation. Mm -hmm. But we also have that nine acres that has rabbits and deer and fox and coyotes that run mm -hmm. around and lots of eagles. Wow. So I, I assume people can buy your spirits when they're there. What if they can't take it with them, like they're traveling, or if it's one of our listeners or readers out of state, can they order from you? Well, we cannot ship out of state. So spirits are really different than wines. You have to have a distributor in every state or work with a, a state-owned liquor store. So we pretty much, uh, if you're a tourist, most people, we bubble wrap. Most people just take it back in their luggage, even around the world. So we, we have a, a large customer base. But once they get away, it's hard for, for people to get our product. Mm -hmm. Within the U.S., there's a, a liquor store called High Spirits, and they're able to ship to maybe 25 different states. And most people that are looking for a product are willing to go over to the next state to get, you know, if they need to have it shipped to a relative. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one of the things that we're working on. Um, but we'd have to be able to produce a lot more product than we're producing right now to be able to have distributors. Because once you have a distributor, you need to have the product to follow. Mm-hmm. Well, sounds like it's just a good excuse to come there and uh, go to Whidbey Island. <laughs> we have foreign visitors who end up showing up year after year really? and come and stock up oh. you know, from all over. Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Scotland. Wow. Well, that, that speaks volumes about how wonderful your product is, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. So a little bird told me you're also a musician. 
I am. I uh, play fiddle. and oh. uh, I actually still teach on Mondays. I a couple students on Mondays, so I, I dedicate uh, at least a part of my day to music. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also kind of have a unique situation where we have a wonderful singer-songwriter that works for us, Michelle Mulder, mm-hmm. and another great singer, Jonathan Bauer, who works with us. So we actually have a distillery band with a couple of extra people in there and the band's called jm and the recipe and it's jonathan uh-huh. michelle the recipe <laughs> i love that that's awesome and the recipes whoever gets thrown into playing yeah. a gig <laughs> oh that's so cool that's great yeah. so i understand there's a Whidbey island wine and spirits trail um tell me about that right so there's a it, it originally started out with wineries and then when uh they added art distillery in maybe four years ago and then another distillery that we have called mutiny bay distillery and it's just been a way to offer an experience to to both locals and visitors uh we have a map that's got four wineries and two of our distilleries and i should say there are other uh, wineries on the south end of the island too but there's six of us that have partnered up it's nice because if a customer comes in we can give out the map and encourage them to go it makes it more of a day or a weekend experience versus just coming to one place mm-hmm. um we can be on the ferries our our rat cards so it's just been a really good way to co-promote and we have three events a year that we do together one that's coming up on may 18th and 19th is called savor spring and that's where we team up with local chefs this year we're teaming up with saltwater fish house and oyster bar that's located in our beautiful town of langley so they'll just create a little bite to go with our tasting so this you have this experience at all six locations that you go to and you can buy tickets in advance you get a you get the pairing you also get a souvenir glass for tasting glass and we really attract a lot of people from off island or return people so that weekend we probably have maybe close to three, 325 people that come through in two days. Mm-hmm. And then we have Autumn on Whitby, which is November 9th and 10th, where we team up and promote local artists. And then 2020, we'll have our two weekends of red wine and chocolate, which is featured around Whitby chocolates and our wines and spirits. That'll happen two weekends in February around the valentine's time that's great so sounds like there's no bad time to go visit with no all these... well <laughs> i think one of the reasons we have the february november is uh, so that people do come over and realize that Whidbey's great to visit all times of the year i think it just offers a lot of variety and weather and what our surroundings look like so uh, we have many people that attend all three events well, I hope our, our listeners and readers do attend at least one of them, this amazing business and all the fun things you do and everything that is awaiting people when they go. We'll be posting this very soon, obviously, and I'll include the links to your website and events so everybody can look into those that you mentioned and some other things. And I just encourage everybody to go to Woodby Island Distillery and Say hello to Bev. Let her know that you heard about her from realfoodtraveler.com. And Bev, thank you so much for giving us part of your morning today. Well, thank you, Courtney. It was really fun. I really appreciate it. 